Trigger warning, this video may upset some of you because I'm going to be talking about some hard truths with the very special guest today. Yo, what is going on, everybody? It is your boy, Marshall, live, and I am live and back with another episode of the Marshall Gillen Show. And I got to be real honest with you, gang. I'm feeling kind of, kind of ranty in this one, all right? I woke up in a little bit of a ranty mood this morning, but some message keeps coming through that I really want to get across to you guys today. I really want to share this message. I really want to share this lesson, and I'm going to bring on a very special guest today to help me explain this. I'm going to add her in right now. Some of you may or may not know her. Some of you may. Some of you may not. Without further ado, we're bringing on my guest today. Hey, I know you. What's up? Good. Uh, nothing. How are you? I'm good. I uh, just kissed you, and I actually don't know if I kissed you, but I just saw you downstairs, and now I'm upstairs, <laughs> and here we are doing a live and uh, talking about doing the work today, uh, yeah. talking about talking about making things happen. And so I want to give a little context to our viewers, and I'm going to throw it right back to you because I know you have a lot to say on this too. But you know, something that's really it's always irked my taters. But and you are a coach. You've been a coach for eight years. You've been a trainer. Like you know what I'm talking about. We've been living in the same industry long before we ever knew each other. And one of the things that drives me nuts, and I can usually take it. Like you see me. You've we've been together for two years. You see how cyclical I am. I, I can usually take it for like 10, 12 days, and then I'll have this little loop, and then I'll reset. I'm like, okay, not everybody's the same. And the thing I want to talk about today is what you want to talk about, which is grit, and the lack thereof, mm-hmm. and a lot of today's society. And I titled this, this, this episode, the one thing that'll ruin your life, your business and your future. And what we're really talking about today is scarcity. Mm-hmm. And so I'll, I'll kind of get into that, but let's drop you into the conversation for a second. Tell me a little bit about what is it that, you know, that you're seeing in today's leaders that is causing them from taking action. I mean, you, you were going on about in the kitchen. So let's talk about it a little yeah. bit. Like what is the deal with grit? Why are so many people missing it? And how is it showing up in our lives? Um, because I think that it's a uh, sneaky, right? It's a sneaky thing. And I actually just experienced this just a couple years ago when we first came together and it was, um, we kind of slip into complacency, right? And we don't, don't even realize it. And then when we slip into complete, because things are going really easy, smooth, our business is going well, ends are being met. We have a little extra, we're able to do some traveling, we're able to do the things for our kids, we're able to kind of do a little bit more with what we have for our community, ourselves. And I think we get, um, and, and it feels good being so hard, right? Building something from nothing. We are right. working so hard with that grit, right? To just drive, drive, drive. Again, being a single mom of four kids for so long. 10 years ago, I was living out of a car with my four boys and a dog. And now just a little over a decade later, you know, I've got my own business. I've put together and produced and directed burlesque shows, literally in tiny little conservative communities. And if it wasn't for passion, grit, trust, faith, (laughs) that it's all going to work out, right? With absolutely not a penny to my name. Like I didn't have a mommy or a daddy or somebody to loan me a million dollars or a thousand dollars or $500,000 or whatever it is to start a business or to create all the things that I've wanted to create. I've had people, I've had a lot of really um, amazing relationships and community that have fallen into my life. So building my business, all of a sudden, bodybuilder, burlesque shows, life is good. My kids are thriving. Right. Or not, right? And all of a sudden, I'm comfortable. And I'm like, oh, life is good. And I'm comfortable. Well, then what happens 
is in that comfort, we become complacent and not even realize it. Where is the dream? Where is the passion? Where's the purpose? Where's the reason for living? And, and I think then we start to, you know, things either come into our mind and we become discontent with what we have because we want more. Um, maybe we're just so comfortable in our relationship right. that um, we don't um, kind of expand ourselves in order to build new relationships. And then something starts to fall away and we're like, what's going on here? Why are things falling apart? Why are things falling away? 100%. And then we start to put everybody and everything around us, including our coaches and being a coach, being a personal trainer, I'll tell you, and being a person who struggles with codependency, it is one of the most challenging things to be able to separate myself from my clients. Right. Results. All I can do Ooh, that's is so give true. them. Yeah. All I can do is give them the tools. Yeah. All I can do is coach them, be available to them as I can. Right. As it fits my schedule, as it fits theirs. You know what I mean? And I'm a very flexible person. And I yeah. know you are too, right? Because we want the most for our people. And that's where codependency comes in because then we judge our own self based on the results of our clients 100%. and that's not the case our clients are 100 percent responsible for their results all right. we can do is teach them give them the tools give them the opportunity and so what happens is things are happening we become complacent and then we lose that grit and then it's like starting the ball rolling again because once the ball's rolling it's easy right but getting mm -hmm. that ball rolling is the hardest part and if it's not for that grit we get stuck in complacency and then scarcity jumps in because now we have to get that ball rolling again. I don't really have the money. I don't really have, Oh no, where's, you know, who am I going to have to pull in? Who do I have to ask again? Who do I, what do I have to do? And rather than just trusting and just trusting your passion and your heart, you know, and that's where that grit comes in and because that complacency and scarcity just, it's so sneaky. It just is so sneaky. Yeah. hundred percent. I think you made a lot of really good points. First of all, I want to say what's up to mama Mo. Uh, shout out to our girl, Monique. Uh, where is she at? She is in Maryland. Oh, uh, Maryland. I was going to say Louisiana. That's right. Shout out to Mom Mo in Maryland. I knew that uh, one of our live viewers. Thank you so much for checking us out. Kirsty, you just touched on a lot of really good points. And there's something that I don't want to dive into too deep right now, but it's something that I just was like, oh, that's a whole episode in and of itself. And that's for all the coaches and speakers, consultants out there who do have a hard time separating their coaching from yep. their clients' results. Because we could get into that all day, right? Like, why do some of the people that you teach the exact same thing to have massive results? And why do some people you teach the exact same thing to get absolutely no results? And same for me. How can I teach one person who goes out and makes $100 million? And how can I teach one person who literally can't even make $10? And that's not to insult anybody. But there becomes a point in a time, and let's just like, we might as well stay in this lens right here, right? Like what is, why is it that some clients get results and some don't? And it really comes down to belief. It really comes down to habits and routines. Are you the type of person that has the grit and is able to consistently and persistently push through obstacles in life? Yeah. You talk about complacency and, and how like, okay, well, you know, once you reach the pin, like reach whatever it is you've been working for, mm -hmm. and then you kind of become complacent complacent and then all of a sudden life's problems and things start to catch up with you and before you know it they bite you in the ass yep. and now this is when things kind of start to go haywire i heard um, a story this past week uh at a at an event i was at and it was a really good analogy i'm gonna share it with you guys right here and curious if we can start to expand on this and i didn't know this but the speaker was saying i'm um, talking about warthogs 
you know, like a uh, warthog, right? Like uh, Pumbaa from The Lion King. I think I just dated myself. I, I probably did. Yeah, I think you have to be a certain age to know Pumbaa from The Lion King at this point in my life. Although I still remember that as the new Disney movie that came out like not that long ago. For a baby, like, I was a teenager. Right. So. <laughs> so here we are, we have a warthog, okay? And in, in what I learned this past weekend is that when a warthog is chased by like a leopard, a lion, whatever, like they're under attack. They're in that fight or flight stress mode, like human beings are often in today's life, right? We have that fight or flight response to whatever that, that danger is. So for the warthog, when the danger comes in, it takes off running. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but the warthog is actually one of the fastest animals on land. It's almost impossible to catch, okay? So even if you're a cheetah and you're going after a warthog, it is so fast, so quick, so agile and nimble that it's almost impossible to catch. Now, here's why warthog get caught almost a hundred percent of the time almost a hundred percent of the time because their memories are so short that once the lion or the leopard or whatever it is comes to get them they take off running and they're so far out in front that all of a sudden they forget what they're doing they're like wow what, was I, what am i running for and then they stop and guess what happens as soon as they stop bah! they get fucking eaten okay they get eaten. Yeah, it's kind of funny, but it's like, that's how people are too. Like nature is nature, is nature right? And so I keep, I, I've seen this for years and so have you seen this for years. It's like, as people, especially as leaders, and one of my friends and I were talking about this, I'm gonna get this back to you in a second, Kirsty. As entrepreneurs, we're by and large based in trauma. Like most entrepreneurs are trying to outperform whatever their trauma was from the past, which is why we're like so driven. Like, let's be honest, like it's that pain that forces us to take action. Now, if you're like Marshall Gillen, the pain from your life causes you to start a company, you start speaking, you start making a bunch of money, and all of a sudden you forget why you're running, and 2019 comes, bites me in the ass, and I lose everything, yep. right? And we yep. see this all of the time in our clients. Mm -hmm. So as coaches, as leaders, Kirsty, how can we start to have a, a conversation about grit? And this conversation about grit, is it something that we need to be firm about, something that we need to like that we need to get a fire going? Or is it something that needs more compassion, more empathy? Like, why is it that people are having such a hard time moving out of complacency? Is it because of scarcity mindset or what do you think? I think it's, uh, we are a society rooted in comfort. Mm. So if you, if you think about us, as you were just talking about trauma, there is no greater teacher in life than pain. So, oh, yeah, I like that. Thank you, uh, Monique, self-sabotage. Um, I'm going to twist that around, though, and not even say self-sabotage. It's not that we're trying to sabotage ourselves, but it is the pain that we know and we're comfortable in. It is the pain that drives us. It is the pain that pushes us because we want to, um, like, we're always running from that pain. Right. And pain is that fire under our ass to get us moving in the direction. So then what happens is that when we become comfortable, we are uncomfortable. It's like a woman who's lived in abuse all of her life, life and trying to leave an abuser, but for some reason she can't stay away from the abuser. She pulls in more abuse. Yeah, yeah. That's what she's comfortable with. That's what she knows. That's what she understands. We know pain. We know trauma. We know that. And that's what, that's what, put, that's what creates the fighter in us. Yeah. Right? The Michael Jordan, not making the team, driving harder, not making the team, driving harder, becoming the best, best NBA basketball player of all time. I know some people want to argue that in this new generation, but again, they live in comfort, so they don't know. <laughs> right. I mean, the no. Dave Hoggins of the world, 
the speakers of the world, the entrepreneurs, and actually, can I, can I just throw this back at you a little bit? Because when we talk about comfort, we talk about grit, we talk about entrepreneurs, we talk about business owners. Again, me being a business owner, me being an entrepreneur, me finding all the ways, it's like, I have to feel this drive, this pain, this passion, this fire, right? Um, it's the, you're the first relationship I've been in that I haven't had to have that like fight and flight constantly. Like I am actually comfortably uncomfortable in our comfort. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, no, you're, you're right. But I want to, I want to throw this out there as far as business owners and entrepreneurs, right? They coming from trauma, some of the best leaders we, I mean, the best leaders in our world, the, the top 1%, the, the Lisa Nichols, the Ryan Stumans, the Grant Cardones, right? The people who are um, making an impact. I mean, you can even talk about Cole from Thrive. They all, and, and some of your clients, right? They come from pain. They come from trauma. They come from experience. And that is what drives them, 100%. right? Especially your most successful ones. The ones that are going out and doing the thing, right? The ones that are going out and fighting for it and trusting. And like um, John, Jonathan, right? Like, this resilient man project, right? Like, seriously, yeah, I mean, he's been with you for two months and he has already had his first live. He's got his first challenge. Like, he yeah, is first event. got grit, right? Yeah. So, uh, here's the thing, right? So, we all have that. But here's where I want to throw it back to you is that now what for all these guys that are successful, make multimillionaires, owning these businesses? Now what? Right? Now what? They're trying to step into this world where they can really make their money matter, like Thrive is all about, right? How do they do that? They need to be able to reach people. How do they do, how do, they do that? Through speaking, right? And so now there's this whole new um, arena that they're throwing themselves into. Public speaking is the biggest fear, right? I mean, it is yeah. a challenge oh. to be able to move, inspire, and motivate. We see that in the lack of coaching with our kids in their sports. They don't, they, our kids are not inspired. Oh, don't even get me started. I know. Our kids live in comfort. You know, they're given so much. We protect them from so much. We shelter them from so much. So where's their drive? Where's their pain? Where's that? Where's the reason for them to need to fight, to get that grit, to, you know, make, I mean, I used to have to steal food just yeah. to eat, yeah. you know? So like, like you, this is where you come into the picture, Marshall. Like the people that you're working with now are, are and, and talking to you because you are legitimately... And, and I've been with a lot of speakers and I have, I mean, I was a speech debate and drama person in high school and we did um, impromptu, right? And so you have like so many minutes to put together a speech and you have to give it and you're graded and all that stuff. You are 100% and I've had motivational speakers come and move me and inspire me, probably the top 1% of speakers I've ever heard. And so when it comes to you and your grit, because your passion for it is so big, right? Your need to speak and speak with vulnerability and to be able to open because you were shut down so much as yes. a child. Right? So that's why you're so passionate about that grit is that pain. That trauma is what drives your desire to speak. And now people need to come to you to learn to speak, to be able to give this message. And so it's where do they get that grit? Where do they step out? 100%. Of that yeah. Well, I, I love that. And you're onto some really great points. And I, I, let's open up a little bit about that as using public speaking as a lens kind of for some context here. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, you're absolutely right. We live in a world where everything's comfort, convenience. Uh, everything is on an app at the touch of my phone. It can be delivered right to me in less than an hour. Like, I mean, it's crazy. The, and we're, it's programmed into us consistently to be, to be comfortable, to be comfortable. And you're right. It starts with our kids. You 
already know. You already know. So I'm going to say the viewers, uh, I'm going to say the viewers right now and the listeners right now. However, like, and, and I feel bad because I'm not trying to attack anybody, but my eighth grade son's coaching at all levels of all sports this year have left a lot to be desired from somebody like Kirsten and I who have grit, who have determination. Like, for example, this past weekend, Josh was at a tournament. The coaches on this side are standing up, yelling at their kids, not yelling, but yelling yeah. at their kids, like coaching them up and down the thing. And our coaches are sitting there like this against the wall. You know what the fucking score was? We were down by 50 for like the 10th game in a row. We haven't won one fucking game yet. Where's the coaching? Because our kids aren't being taught the grit. So let's fast forward this because I was on a call yesterday with a man who's going to hire me to help him speak. He's telling me, babe, that he bought a company for $30 million. Okay. $30 million company he bought. Now check this out, everybody, because I want to talk about grit. And it's actually something that, right? It's like something that, something that, that actually I noticed a lot of. And I was on a rant about last night. Just because you are rich doesn't qualify you to be a great speaker. Now, again, I'm going to, I'm going to carry some context to what Kirsten and I are talking about, about complacency and grit and scarcity. Just because you're rich doesn't make you a great speaker. Okay, 100% not. And I'll tell you how I know this for sure, Kirsty. I am one of the least famous speakers when I go to events to speak. Yeah, I have the longest lines waiting for me to talk to me and for sign up for my services afterwards. Even though I haven't made $20 million a year yet, even though I don't have a million followers, even though I don't have all these things. So why is it that people line up and are moved by me when I'm on stage or somebody that's on social media or somebody that has grit determination is out there doing it versus somebody who's just rich? I'll tell you why. I'm on the phone with this guy yesterday, $30 million, right? Wants to hire me. Mm -hmm. I asked him a very simple question. I said, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Are you ready for this? And he goes, okay. Kind of nervous, you know, $30 million. He just bought $30 million business. Get $30 million, this guy. He's probably in his mid fifties, like very good at making money. I said, what's your mission in life? And he looked, mm -hmm. looked at me and he sat back and he goes, I don't know how to answer that. I'm like, you you bought a company for $30 million. You're a multi, multi-millionaire. You don't even know what your mission in this life is. Yeah. So what I'm telling everybody, the, this is the viewers and the listeners, and what we're going to expand on here now as I get this back to you, Kirsty, is having a lot of money doesn't necessarily give you a lot of purpose. In 2019, I was having my first million dollar year. I had worked my entire fucking life to finally be validated, to finally tell Phil, fuck you, to finally tell my dad, see dad, you should have been at my games loving me. You should have been here to see all of this. You missed out. I did all of that in spite of those men. And then I get to the big pinnacle of everything. I have all the things I want and I realize that I've never been more unhappy in my entire life. Yep. And that's when can complacency set in for me. And now you see me over the last three years, I tucked my tail and ran because I was no longer in, I was no longer in alignment or in tune with my mission, which was, I want people to stop killing themselves. And I got focused on me. I got into my scarcity mindset. How am I going to keep this going? Imposter syndrome, self-sabotage, all the things we can get in a second. And all of a sudden I became complacent. So this is where I want to give it back to you because I know there's people out there that are, the pain is so great. Mm -hmm. They legitimately can't stand it. Over the last three years, babe, from the time that I left San Diego until literally like just a couple of months ago, the pain inside of me was so great that I couldn't even explain it, except it became debilitating. It became paralyzing. I lost, I knew what my mission was, but I lost connection to it. 
And so the first thing I want to say before I get this back to you, and last thing I want to say rather before I get this back to you, is that without a clear-cut mission to why you exist and what you're getting up in the morning, for me personally, I believe without a mission statement, mm-hmm. complacency and scarcity is always going to plague your life, no matter how much money you have. This guy is on the phone with me wanting to get not wanting me to make you more money he wants to connect to something deeper in himself the reason that he's on the phone with me is because he wants to connect to a deep meaningful why a purpose that he exists and so Kirsten what I want to ask you is let's say money aside in your experience and in your opinion why is it that people can be dealing with immense amount of pain they know exactly what's stopping them from getting their goal they know exactly what they want to achieve but they still don't take the action to do it like no matter what they just don't fucking do it no matter how much i coach them no matter how simple i make it or you or any other buddy why is it that those people still don't take action to change your life like i don't get it i mean my <laughs> i'm at a loss here honestly i mean we can go back to that comfort status but i mean if they if they know the why they have the trauma they have the pain they have all the things but they're just not doing it oh god i don't know marshall i'm with you like it it leaves me dumbfounded all the time and it's because you can't teach grit no you can't teach grit no you can't so you have to, and, and and so then there's a there's a part of me. December thinks if you're a failure. I mean, there is that too, but it's kind of like, I mean, okay. Let me just use this as an example. I have a burlesque show I'm producing, and I have produced so many burlesque shows without a penny to my name. To and and I'm just going to share this with everybody very transparently and openly. It's going to cost me twenty three hundred dollars for the space. It's going to cost me almost $5,000 for the stage lighting and all that. For a lot of people, that's not a lot of money. They probably have that in their bank account and they could probably write that check easy peasy. For me, I don't just have that in my bank account, you know, um, for costumes yet. (laughs) It costs for costumes. It costs for, um, to bring in, um, beverages and table rentals and chair rentals. Right. Um, I mean, there's so many, it costs for advertising, promoting, all of that. So we're looking at over $10,000 to produce a show minimum, probably more like 11 or 12. I don't have that in my bank. I mean, I have enough to like pay my bills and that's pretty much it, right? And so when I put it out there that I'm going to do a show and everybody's so excited, right? I have to trust and have faith because I'm putting them out there it's $500, $550, $500 for a VIP table. I've got a $625 and a $1250 sponsorship opportunity. I've got $55 tickets. I've got $35 seating and I've got $75 seating. Like, right? you know, the channels to make the money is there. I know the channels. And then people look at the cost of the tickets and they're like, oh, that's a lot of money. Well, it's a lot of fucking money to put on a show. Like, I don't know what to tell you. It's not like I'm, I'm trying to, you know, make a huge living. Performers do not make a lot of money. Generally speaking, if you are a performer, if you are an artist, generally speaking, it is very few that can sell their work for a lot of money and make a lot of money. They okay? should come see me. They, <laughs> but here's the thing is it's that trust and it's that faith and it's that grit that it's going to be there. Yeah, 100%. Like, 
women's retreat, same thing. I had to have faith and trust. It barely paid for itself. You know what I mean? And because my heart and my passion and my yes. mission yes. is so much greater than yes. the dollar. My purpose, than the this is, my purpose is greater than my fear. Yes, my purpose is greater than my fear. I have a grit. I have children I have to take care of. I have people yes. responsible to, yes. not for. Right. I'm responsible to my clients. I'm responsible to my dancers. I'm responsible yes. to my community and to my children and to you. I am not responsible for their results. I'm not responsible for them showing up. I'm not responsible for them. But my grit, my passion, my mission, my purpose is so much greater than my fears, so much greater than the dollar, so much greater that it's like, I have to do it. And not everybody is designed like that. And we just have to accept that, yeah. that not everybody is designed like that. Yeah. And I think that's one of the, I, you nailed it right there. And I think that's something that we should definitely expand on, right? Because not everybody is meant to be that. Not everybody is meant to be that leader. And again, this is very harsh sounding, but it's what I've always said. So I'm not like, this is not to break anybody down, right? But this is just genuinely, this is just how I feel about it. There's something you want to accomplish in life. Either yeah. you're going to do it or you're not. Either you're doing it or you're not. That's it. There is no in-between. Either you're doing the thing or you're not doing it. And so my thing is always push on and do the thing or sit down and shut the fuck up. Like, I'm not mad at you. I'm yeah. just saying, like, let's not play this Mickey Mouse back and forth thing. Like, okay, you're not cut out for this. So just sit down and shut up and do your thing. Oh, but working a job sucks and my life sucks. Then fucking change it. Change then it. fucking change it. <laughs> oh, well, I can't because, Marshall, I want to host an event, but I just don't have the funds to get started. It's, and I'm so feared. What if nobody shows up? What, what if, what if, what if, right? All of these things. What people may be missing is from this, this segment of what we're talking about is at the time of shooting this, I just got back into business by nine months, going on nine months ago now. And my income has gone up significantly. Impact has gone up significantly. You are just, I mean, like just getting into this new portion of who Kirsty is. Not just a trainer, burlesque. Now you're hosting women's retreats. Now you're back on the scene hosting bigger events than you ever have in a bigger town than you ever have, like all these things. And so people hear what you just said and they go, well, why would you do that? Why, if you barely have enough money to pay your bills now, then why would you just do, why would you do that? And the answer is because we don't want to fucking always just have enough money to pay our bills. This is the thing that changes it. Mm -hmm. It's a habit of what we've done over the course of our lives that we know for certain that allows us to have faith over fear, mm -hmm. purpose over fear. Because I know, because my God is faithful and I'm not here to preach. I'm just telling you, my yeah. God is faithful. And he tells me that if I put him first and I am faithful, then things will come true. And your inability or somebody's inability to accept that is what keeps them limited in life. Mm -hmm. Plain and simple. Okay. When I, babe, let's do like a year ago. What is today? March. I was working at a bar last year at this time. Mm -hmm. A bar. You were just you were no, just about having I, it at this time. I was just about ready to have it at this time. <laughs> I had gone into, I, I left San Diego after making almost a million dollars. My clients have $125 million in client results and I threw it all away. And I come to Montana and I'm so lost. I have no purpose, no mission, no drive. I feel so bad about myself that I go back to bartending, go from closing 10 to 30 grand a month from 2016 to 2019 to hoping to make $100 a shift, okay? $100 a shift. And I'm right back in it. 
I'm right back into being the working man. And I'm like, I hate this every day. I, I miss all the kids stuff on Tuesdays and Thursday nights bartending. I'm never there to do anything with you during the weekend. And finally it gets to a point where they really fucked me over up there. Fuck you gun sight. Sorry. I'm over it now, but I guess not. <laughs> uh, were they, were they, but I needed that. Right. But anyways, point being is that I called you up on that Friday night after they did that to me, after they, after they, after they pulled my, my shift that night. And I said, I'm not going back. And you supported me and I made it work. I had no money in the bank at the time. I had, I was not selling top paid speaker. I was not, there was nothing to sell. I sat right out there in that driveway crying. I was so upset at what they had done to me after I'd done so good for them. And you just said, babe, fuck it. Don't go back. Do what you got to do. And less than three months from then, I hosted my first event. We closed like 40 or 50 grand. Fast forward to Phoenix again. Uh, uh, we host another event. We put everything together to make it happen and boom, payoff, right? And so what I'm saying to other people is that in lifetime, in your life, you're not always going to be able to see the next step. You're not always going to be able to see step two and three of your plan or your vision that you want to come true. But if you can faithfully show up and you can take the actions with grit, with faith, with determination, with perseverance, you will get the results that you want in life. It may not always come out exactly what you like, but I promise you it's always going to be better than you imagined it could have been. And this is the last thing I'll say before I give it back to you, babe. What I want people to understand, and I, I, I love, love this that one of our live viewers december said fear of failure that is part of it for sure like that is part of it like some people do feel fear failure but i would bet that most people listening to this podcast or watching this podcast the type of person that's tuned into you and i they're not scared of failing that's not the thing that scares them actually and this is and you're gonna you guys are gonna lean in and listen to this because the thing that's really keeping most of you from taking action is not the fear of failure but rather the fear of success and I'll tell you exactly how this ties into complacency because you people think, oh, well, I'm, I'm scared that I won't work out. No, that's not true because you've never been fucking scared to do anything. That's why you stand up and you take, I'm talking to our listener, right? That you're not scared. Don't give me that shit and hide behind. Oh, I'm so scared. No, you're not. You're not scared of failing. You're scared of succeeding because what you're worried about is that the way that your life is now, which is comfortable and convenient will be changed by the amount of success you're going to have. And most people don't even real, they don't realize yeah. that they, they go, well, if I show it, okay. Let's say I host a burlesque show. Well, what happens if a hundred people show up? How will I handle that? Well, I won't have time to do all those things I like to do, like watch fucking Yellowstone and, and go out that's with my it, girlfriend. That's and, yep. and that's the fear of success because they fear that the success, the amount of work that's required to make it happen is going to take away from what they have now and how comfortable they are. And people are so fucking scared of the uncertain that they would rather stay in certainty, which may be turmoil, angst, worry, anxiety, depression, all these things, they would rather be absolutely certain that they know what they're going to get with their day than the uncertainty that comes with, oh my God, I might not make it. And in reality, what's keeping most people listening to this show stuck is their fear of success. Well, what if my life changes? Yeah. And I just, I'm going to, I was ahead. just going to say, I'm going to add to that, that, um, because every, I mean, this is why I struggle with that fear of success and why when you said that, I was like, hey, a little cringy because and, until you got into the comfort side of it. And then I'm like, exactly. It's people want the success without the work. Without the hassle. Without the hassle, without the work. And that is what I'm talking about. And that's why I'm like, no, they're not afraid of the success. This is where that entitlement, comfortable bullshit comes in. If our kids just like we want, I, I gave our kids so much shit for how they play. I said, you guys play like you eat, like shit, and you play like you're entitled children who live in comfort.
effort that you think that if you just show up, you're going to get an award. Right. That if you let the basketball leave your fingers, it's automatically going to go in the hoop. You don't have to follow it up. You don't have to charge you the people. You don't have to step in and get the rebound and Tap fight board, for it. Yeah. Right? That it's just going to go in. No, there is no success without work, period. If you want the success, you got to put in the work. So for me, I feel like people get to this level of success and they're like, I made it. I, made it. I don't have to do anymore. Like I've got just enough to handle. I've got just enough to do. And I'm going to be honest with you. I know that feeling because mama gets tired. Yep, right? So, yep. I, right. So I get it. I freaking get it. But the problem with that is if our mission is greater and we just allow ourselves to be complacent and get comfortable watching the Yellowstones, get comfortable taking the kids to the game, get comfortable with that amount of money. Guess what? Shit changes. Yes. Changes around it's us. Fast. And if we, it's so fast. And, and before we know it, it's gone. And we, we've lost that momentum. And whether we like it or not, we're going to have to get driving again. And yes. then how are we helping people? And how are we moving in our community? And how are we making the world a better place for our children if that's what we say we believe in? And yes. that's why our children walk around like entitled, spoiled little children, right? So how is it that that's why I'm like this fear of success? I struggle with it. I, I believe that it's a fear of discomfort. We reach a level of comfort and yeah. now we want it to be well, comfortable. And that is what fear of success is. And that's why I want yeah. to highlight it because a lot of people don't realize it. It's not like, oh, I'm so fearful. I'm going to be so successful. It's like, no, you're, you're fearful of the amount of bullshit. that. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you have a million dollar business, but now your inbox and your emails are completely jammed up. And you're like, fuck, I don't have time to just do this thing. Or, you know, great. You wanted to build the membership program for $300 a month. And now you have 100 people in there, except that like fucking every day, like 30 of them are messaging customer service. And so what happens is without even realizing that we're not taking action because we assume that the assumed responsibility coming with the success is going to be so much they'll take away from me. I'm just so comfortable right here. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's, it's bullshit. And I just, uh, <clears throat> this morning I woke up and some things are happening. I'm just like, dude, I don't know what you want me to tell you. You know, I, you know, you know, cause you're listening to me. I'm like, I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like, I can't, I can't make your business successful for you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can't make you a speaker if you don't take the action. I can't do it for you. Just like you can't take the food out of my hand and stop me from putting it in my mouth. That has to be something I want to do. Yeah. It has to be something that comes from within. And I think that's one of the biggest, it's not the misconception. It's just that people don't realize it, that nothing in life is just constant. It's always going up. It's like a fucking fuel tank. It's going up or it's going down. When the engine is on, there's fuel being consumed and it's either going up or it's going down. And so there's no point in life. It's like your body. Okay, you can put in the work and get to a point. And you can be on stage and win the show. But if you don't keep up the actions afterwards, that body goes away. Mm -hmm. And it's like so many people, we work so hard. We finally get a little to taste of the success we want. And all of a sudden that comfort and convenience rolls in. We're sick of being in survival mode and we never set up the habits and routine to keep it. And it all goes away. Yep. And, yep. Then, and, then when it's and then we get older, a little bit older, a little bit more pressure. And it's always like, well, last time I tried that, it didn't work. Or I've done that before. That's not, how, trust me, that doesn't work. And it's like, mm, mm, I don't know about that. Well, I don't know, right? You know I want to expand on that just a little bit because I'll offer two things. One, I want to share a little, a little something. So my first sponsor for the show, it's not, I mean, he sponsored a couple hundred bucks. I mean, whatever, but every little bit counts. And he's like, I really hope this helps. But I got I to gotta share this because um, 
you know, with like my sponsorships, it's like you can get tickets, table, like I want to give you everything I can, right? Because right. that's the kind of person that I am. And he didn't ask for anything in return. But I, I, the thing I want to share with you is this is a couple, um, and it's, it's I'm just going to say it's O'Brien Liquor, right? So O'Brien Bird and his wife, Melanie, we've known each other since high school. They've been to my burlesque shows in the past. They're actually really good dancers. They're so active in their community. They have teenagers. They run a business. Yeah, and high school coaches. High school coaches. Soccer coaches. Yep, teenagers. They're all over the place. And they're very active. They're very community-minded and oriented. Very community-minded. He just told me yesterday that he hasn't even been able to see his mom because he's been so busy. And they're opening a new event center and all of these things, right? And that he needed to take a day Wait, to take care what? of himself. You know? And, and they're constantly moving and grooving. And he talked about turning something, uh, taking nothing and turning it into something. And he's like, you know, that's what they want to support. And, and that's what like we do, Marshall, is we take nothing and turn it into something. 100%. Because that is what, that's what our world is founded on. I mean, the discovery of fire, the discovery of the wheel, the discovery of, you know, whatever, splitting open an atom. I mean, all of these things, right? Like that we do as a human society, we take nothing and we make something from it. We are nothing but dust and something is made from each of us. And each of us has a divine purpose and we get lost in these false materialistic bullshit and and we forget about that and, and and we think about work as this awful thing rather than work as play yes it, like i tell my clients the gym is our grown-up playground when we were kids we were like mom i want to go to the swings i want to go to the playground i go want to go hang out with my friends and then all of a sudden we become adults and it's work you know right. it's like this thing that gets ingrained in us work 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 rather than work as play and success is play and that we have the opportunity to be with people, engage with people. And yes, we're going to drop the ball. Yes. There's going to be people lost in the mix. Like I just had a woman message me like what I had my first women's retreat last weekend. Was that last weekend? Or the weekend Two before? weeks ago. Two weeks ago now. I've got a show coming up next weekend, a week from th Friday opening. And then after that, it's the Emerald cup. And I had a woman like, I don't know how you do it all and keep it all together. I'm like, I don't, I drop the ball all the time. I, I just had a woman send me a voice message I haven't even heard yet yesterday, right? Like that, that we were supposed to talk like three weeks ago. And I'm like, oh shit, I dropped the yeah. ball. Because here's the thing, like I'm going to drop the ball. People to drop the ball with me, but I'm going to keep moving. Right. I'm going to keep grooving. Right. I'm going to keep doing the best that I can. <clears throat> and all I can do is hope that people are on that same page and flexible and forgiving because again, my purpose is so much greater. Every penny that I make, I'm going to find a way to give it away. I told my grandfather, he said something about, you know, what I'm going to go to college for, and what I'm going to study and be, and make sure you have something in the savings and blah, 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 blah. I almost went to law school and people were like, what are you going to go study in law school? And I said, well, I want to be, I want to work for like a nonprofit. I want to work for like a social um, justice organization, like the Abbey Shelter with domestic violence, right? Like something that helps women and children. I'm like, I will never be rich. You want to know why I'll never be rich? Because I will always be reinvesting whatever comes into me, into <clears throat> my community and into the people around me. And since I've had that mindset, I have never been totally broke. 
I have always had every need met. My children have had needs met and I've always been able to get to wherever, whatever, however I need right. to be there. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, it, and it's, again, it's, if we just change our mindset, like, like Monique mentioned, it's our mindset, right? How we change our mindset rather than thinking of my success and, and all the work I have to do, it's how is it that I can get more people on board yeah. What it is and who I am and what I'm doing and my mission and my purpose Amen. in order that I can better serve my yeah. family and my community. That's just well, how I quit. I, I love that. One of my best mentors uh, always says that. Well, Coach Bert, <clears throat> you yeah. don't need more you don't need more money. You need you don't need more money, you need more people. Amen. That's what he says. You don't have a money problem, you have a people problem. Yep. Um, which is true. I do want to say, sorry, babe, I got to call you yeah. out a little bit. Like <clears throat> I'm not claiming that you can continue to claim that if you want, but I am rich and I will be continue to be richer. Um, I I'm, I'm not claiming that I want to be so fucking filthy rich, but for good reason. Um, we talked about being a steward of God's mm -hmm. money, meaning like I know that when God gives me money, he knows I'll do the best with it. And so <clears throat> one of the things I wanted to add before you were like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to well, be rich. Like, no, talking about yeah. it like i will never be rich because i the more right. that i get the more i can 100 right? yeah. 100 i do i do um i do want to highlight this though to people that are listening okay so as kirsten and i are talking about this oh sometimes i drop the ball and I do these things yeah that's true we're not saying that that's necessarily that we're okay with that what we're saying is it's collateral damage that we accept in the growth of what the overall vision and mission is we're trying to complete because the reality of it is the more money we continue to make like this will be the last show that Kirsty ever does where the money is tight for her in this regard, because as we continue to go, and we, we just, I just started this again, like nine months ago, Kirsty's just getting into this like um, four weeks ago, right? Like as we build this business, it's, we are, our purpose is greater than our fear. So her and I have been talking for the last year about who we would get to run our company eventually and, and all the diligence and due diligence and hiring a team and the people to do this and that. Yep. Because our vision is so great of what it, we know has been promised to us and what we're working towards that in the interim right now, we don't want to drop the ball and we don't right. want to do these things. But when they happen, we, we are human and we yep. accept that we are fallible. And in that, in that imperfection, we are perfect in his eye, in God's eye. And again, I'm not trying to make this religious or anything like that. I'm just saying that spiritually, I believe in a God and the God that wants me to have everything that's promised me everything. And so when I just want to highlight that for people, babe, that when we say that, it's not like, Oh, it's always going to be this way. No. no, the reason we're okay with it being this way is because we know what's to come. And if we stop running towards that, that goal and we stop working towards that vision, <clears throat> then it would be a different story. Then be like, Oh dude, like, you know, you can't, you should probably get your shit together. But I would tell you then to stop playing so big. I would tell you just play smaller, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not telling anybody to play small, but like you, you uh, mentioned earlier in the thing, like some people are meant to and some people aren't meant to. And I think that's one of the things that we really need to talk more about as leaders and accept is that we want to go out there and save everybody. And the reality is, is that not everybody's meant to be saved. Like <clears throat> in the body, unfortunately, not every, not every cell gets to be like a heart cell. Not every cell gets to be a brain. Like some cells are poop cells. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like... Like there has to be a cell in the universe that exists as poop. Okay. So it's a bad analogy in a way. It's like, I'm not calling you poop or saying any of that. I'm just saying that not everybody gets the best jobs. Right. And in that regard, sometimes we got to take a sit, sit down and take a look at our life and understand like, what are we called to do now? I will say that if you're listening to this podcast or watching a uh, uh, replay of this podcast, the chances that you are a poop cell 
not very good, okay? Because <laughs> most poop cells don't have the attention span, the energy, the desire, anything like that to sit through a podcast like this, especially after we've been ranting for like the last 40 minutes. So that if you're listening to this, there's an excellent chance that you were meant to be the heart cell, to be the brain cell, to be the magnificent thing that God put here. But I just want to remind all of you, and again, you've heard this before, but I believe, Kirsty, that the biggest determination or factor in people being successful and getting being able to accomplish their dreams is not necessarily just them, but the people around you. Mm-hmm. Because unless you're surrounded with the right people, yeah, you're never going to be able to see these things. No. Okay. Now, again, just because you hire the coach or just because it doesn't mean that you're going to have the success. Mm-hmm. You still got to be willing to show up and do the work. But without being able to have the habit and routines of doing the work and without the right people around you, yep. it's almost impossible to create the vision and the dream that you want. Mm-hmm. I feel better I after having this conversation. Do, I can never have done and do what it is I've done and do without the people around me. Exactly. Doing bodybuilding competitions, having my friends and people step in to help take care of my children. Um, doing a burlesque show, you can't do, I mean, you can, I suppose, if you're like Dita Von Teese, but like, you know, that is. Uh, she's a really famous burlesque performer. Oh, okay. Um, married to Marilyn Manson. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so, but I mean, seriously, like we have a team of people and, and again, it isn't that we want to drop the ball. And I just want to reiterate that, but every now and again, Something takes a little bit longer to get back and we have to be able to show ourselves the grace and compassion and we have to be able to keep moving and going forward because here's the thing. If we aren't first in relationship with ourselves in a healthy way, how can we yes. be in relationship with others yes. in a healthy way? And if we, we can't. Can, if we can't forgive and ourselves and show ourselves grace and compassion, then how are we going to be able to extend that to anybody else? If we don't pay ourselves first, So baby, I just want you to know I'm on the same page as you. Like, yes, we, you know, I want to be rich. Of course. I mean, I want to have money. I want to be able to do the things and help the people. And that's why we've had these conversations, right? We pay our bills, but like we're to pay ourselves first because if we don't fill our own cup first, then how are we going to be able to, to then spill over onto other people? We're constantly working from our own created. Yes. Right. So, so I'm I'm 100% in agreement with you. And so that's where, yeah, we've got to build that team and that team, but we want to be selective because oh, 100%. We have a lot of organizations and a lot of people that, you know, there's, a, a, and I'm just going to be really, I know, I know we need to wrap up here because we both have to get to the gym, but um, like I will 100% say that I am the number one best trainer that anybody is going to come across number one best trainer that anybody in this valley is going to come across. Now there's a lot of really great trainers in our valley, but, but, and and I don't know all of them. Okay. Mm. Just like, I'm going to say this about coaching. You are by far the number one best coach for what you do that I have ever seen. And, and it's because there is this connection factor that we have with our clients because we first know how to connect and forgive and trust ourselves. Yes. And that is how we that so like when I go to train my clients, sometimes I will stop and actually go through the exercise and rethink how my body is connecting, how my brain's connecting, how my mind is connecting, how my spirit's connecting. So I can then say, okay, let's start it here. And then I touch them and I connect with them and I yes. physically help them through Dude. the movement. 
right? Fucking yes. So that is what makes you so great at what you do. Ugh. What makes me so great at what I do. And I love that Monique is, is doing her thing because that's what makes her so good at what her, she does too. 100%. You know, and, and that is what sets us apart from everybody else is that little extra. Well, you know, I just realized something. I had chills all up and down my body as you were saying that. And I, I don't know how it took me almost two years to realize this, but this is why we are so good at what we do. Um, I will preface this real quick by saying, obviously, I'm biased. Um, I fanboy Kirsty because I love her to death and I think she's amazing. However, I know that she's one of the best trainers that I've ever met. And I lived in San Diego and I've been around a lot of really well wealthy people in San Diego. There's a lot of really great trainers. I was one of them for a few years until I was like, this game's too hard. I'm going to fucking teach you how to speak. Um, <laughs> no, I actually just ended up being more lucrative, but, um, or people who are like, um, you know, or I've traveled the world and a lot of really rich people have trainers, people that help them. Right. The reason I know that I say all that is because I've been a lot of, around a lot of really great trainers. You are one of the absolute best trainers I've ever met. I know about fitness. I've been working out my whole life. Like I just said, I was a trainer. I'm actually a really good trainer because I know how to connect with people to get them to do things. However, I've never met a trainer that is as good at teaching me what to do as you do. And what I mean to all of our listeners and viewers, it's like, um, for example, if I'm doing like a lateral raise, like a, 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 short, a shoulder raise, right? Kirsty's like, try to touch your knuckles to the wall, like over there. Not really, but like, as you are lifting your arm up, tr don't focus on your shoulder, the weight, the elbow, anything else. Try to touch your hand to the wall over there. And when you close your eyes and you're trying to, and I, and I have the weight and I'm trying to touch my hand to the wall, guess what happens? I'm making the best muscle mind connection that I possibly could. So people that don't work out, you may be a little bit lost, but what I'm saying is Kirsty has a way of connecting you to parts of your body that you don't know how to engage. I've been trying to build my back and my chest for fucking years, years. I paid $6,000 to a coach. Actually, I paid him $4,500. We ended up falling off because he was not a good fucking coach, even though his knowledge is excellent, not good at teaching it. Okay at teaching it, not good at delivering it. But this guy couldn't get me where I wanted to go. Like former NFL player, one of the top ranked powerlifters in the world at his weight. And he couldn't help me, but you did. And I just realized that one, this is taking a lot longer than I thought, but I wanted to brag about you. But one of the reasons that, babe, that you and I get along so well is because we do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. I never realized that. Like, I'm so good at getting people to speak, not because you're rich and have a bunch of success and I teach you how to get on stage. I'm good at getting people paid to speak because I teach them how to connect with the story in themselves, yeah. how to heal that and how to share that empathy with the world. And that's exactly what you do for training. And that is why we're both so excellent at what we do. I'm glad that we found each other because now we're finally having the ability and the power to team up and like literally take the world by storm. <laughs> I love it. It won't be too long and everybody will be like, I, I, I remember, I remember the, them blowing up overnight. They'll be like, it won't be like the whole decade and a fucking yeah, half. Right, right. I'm like, um, yeah, just 10 years ago, I was homeless. So. <laughs> Babe, this has been fun. This has been fun. We should do this more often. Yeah. Well, we're, we're getting better at it. Yeah, we are. Thanks for going live with me. Is there anything else you want to share with our audience before we pop off? No, nah, I just need to get my tail to the gym. Me too. That's a good looking tail that you got there too. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. I'll talk to you later. All right, everybody. There you go. A little rant uh, today from Marshall and Kirsty. 
I love talking with her. She always makes me feel so much better. Let's me get that energy out. And if you found any value in this show, do me a favor, subscribe to the show. You can do it on any of the podcast platforms. You can follow me here on YouTube. You can follow me here on Facebook. Be a friend, tell a friend, send this video to somebody who might get some value out of it and tune in for more conversations. And listen, if you made it this far in the video and you're somebody who wants to get paid to speak, you want to book big stages, you want to write a best-selling book, you want to have a top-rated podcast, you want to host your own events, and you want to become the standout authority and the go-to expert in your niche, reach out to me. I have an event coming up in May. It's called Top Paid Speaker Live. It's May 4th through May 6th. It's right here in Montana. And I'm going to spend three days teaching you every single thing you need to know about converting stories into cash and impact. I'd love to see you there. Tickets are on sale now. You can visit toppaidspeaker.com. I love you guys. Another episode of The Marshall Gillen Show. I'm your boy, Marshall Live, and I am out.